the first priority is your health and well-being. That's number one. Because unless you are well and unless you took care of yourself, you really are not in a position to take care of anybody else. Welcome to Create New Futures, a show about thought-provoking ideas and practices you can use to create and shape your future in life and in business. Join Aviv Shahar, author and innovation strategy consultant, as he shares his proven strategies that have helped clients create breakthrough results. Aviv has guided executives at Fortune 100 companies, and now he wants to help you. Okay, so uh, here we are. I'm Vitaly Natalie. It's good to be with you. And I know we have shorter time today because you're in the middle of the action with big developments in Israel and in the operation that you're managing and leading. And much is on the move for all of us on the, the global stage. But um, you wrote to me and suggested an, an area of focus for our exploration this afternoon in the U.S. Uh, evening in, in Israel. And here, here are the questions that I distilled from your email. Number one, how do you stay positively balanced and focused during times of crisis? I think that's the essence of the inquiry. And I think there is a second inquiry inside it, which is, how do you survive the crisis physically, but then also mentally, psychologically, and spiritually? And then there is a third dimension that was included in your email, which related to the collective influence, collective psychology, collective energy. By way of framing a question, I'd say, what is the influence and power of the collective energy, and how do you harness it in a positive way? So how would you um, restate or, or uh, reframe any of that to give the, the most the best efficacy for what we are trying to, to answer and, and address? I'm good with this. <laughs> I don't have anything else now to add. Okay. Okay, so... Well, so, Natalie, will, will you, anything you'd add? Thank you. It was exactly what we wanted to ask. Right. And we are doing this in English so that it, in case we choose to share it with others who are not speaking Hebrew, they can benefit from it as well. Because we have this idea of making one effort to produce uh, multiple results and create value and, and assistance and help to as many people as, as we can. It actually is part already of the answer because part of the answer to all these three questions, to the degree that we can be helpful for other people in a way that enables us to be productive and focused, it's a way to also help ourselves. So, so let me take the first question. How do you stay positively balanced and focused during times of crisis? And... I'm going to offer a threefold strategy framework that you can apply, and I believe you can apply it in the personal arenas as well as in the professional arenas of your life. Um, certainly for you, Amitai, as a CEO, as a leader of your operation, 
and also for anybody else in, in any circumstance. Before looking at the strategy framework, let me address an important point of awareness that I believe uh, you can relate to from multiple experiences that you've had professionally and personally and, and certainly in the, in the Navy because from your experience as a commander and what was it, remind me, that you commanded in the Navy? I was a commander of a patrol boat and then of a squadron. And then of a? Five patrol boats. Okay. So it, it is my understanding from my experience, and I was not in the Navy, I was in the Air Force, but the, the, the principles are similar, that what you practice and what you train for is what you then lean on during combat operation. In other words, during training and during practice, we are preparing for a specific range of scenarios, and the preparation then determines very much the kind of response you'll be able to bring to each of those scenarios. It, it doesn't mean that in real time th there won't be other novel responses on point, but largely we lean on our preparation. Would you agree? Yeah. So part of what is now going on globally, all around the world, is that what we have, I believe, is a scenario that appears to be catching many, many people unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> Even though... And surprised because they didn't expect this to happen so fast. A surprise, a shock, panic, we'll talk about all those things. Even though the information, actually, that something like this could be happening anytime that scenario was available if you were attentive you know the information was available for the last two three four decades for sure so the system is overwhelmed people are overwhelmed but to the degree that you have made specific preparations you're managing this situation better than most both practically and certainly mentally, spiritually, psychologically, behaviorally, because you've made certain specific preparations. And I can tell you that because I have been preparing to certain elements of what is unfolding, not to everything, but to certain elements, it is not that I can avoid it, but I am much better equipped and I'm not overwhelmed by the situation and by what is going on. So... I can be more specific when we analyze in a minute the, the scenario that, that's unfolding now and the multifaceted aspects of, of this scenario. But so that's the first point, the, the first awareness, if you like, which is that how well and how thorough you have been in your preparation in terms of your personal resiliency and business continuity planning and so and so on all of those will impact your capacity to respond on point in some circumstances it may be frustrating to offer it to people because if they haven't made the preparation you you're just um, uh, 
frustrating them, but we need to address this point because every scenario is a learning opportunity for a future scenario, and that, that's why this is so important to call this over. So I'd, I'd say that's the first point. The second point is that when you triage a crisis, in reality there are multi-facets, there are multiple dimensions that are all occurring at the same time. But it is actually important if you're going to be able to develop a range of effective responses that you are forensic on the diagnostic end so that then you can bring that clarity of thought to the kind of prescriptive response that you'll be looking to generate so that your response is, is as informed, as insightful and as clear-headed as can be. And uh, let me just give you an example of what I mean by being forensic on the diagnostic end because I, I do not mean becoming a PhD on the immune system and on viruses and all I, I'm not that's not what I'm suggesting that you need to become a, the the world expert on coronaviruses what I do the word forensic forensic is so forensic is when they go to examine a crime scene and they're looking to find the to trace exactly the signs of that will become evidentiary and will be used to to validate that one story is the truth and another story is not the truth uh, if you like like replace this idea of forensic examination with higher resolution uh, higher resolution thinking and and becoming very clear in how you analyze the situation that that's essentially uh, what i mean uh, applying your analytical capacity yeah so I, I, I'm, I'm reading a different theories that all make sense, you know? It depends, although the facts are not very clear in this situation. Right. Well, but so let me give you an example of what I meant by being clear-headed and analytical. Because I do not mean the mechanics of the, the virus transmission, even though that it is important to become aware to the degree that you can. And there are at the moment a whole range of theories broadcasted all around the world. But what I specifically am relating to is the fact that there are different, there are specifically three or four processes that are playing all at the same time and to the, the degree that we can, we should analyze each one and recognize that there are those separate processes. So let me name them. Sometimes what you need to do in crisis is name the process, name the inputs into the situation, and then you can use that to inform and instruct how you will choose your strategic and tactical response. So the first dimension we're dealing with, the first process, is the coronavirus. It's spread throughout the world, how it transmits itself, what are the symptoms, and what are the preventative behaviors and so on, and how it likely to impact any population, and the fact that it is likely to impact a particular chunk of the population, and, and so on. So that's the first process that is underway, the coronavirus. 
there is a second process that's underway, which is different from the first, and we've got to make that separation, which is the implosion and the collapse of the global stock markets. And how that virus, because that is now, and over the last couple of weeks, started to, hit, to behave like a virus of its own, how that virus is transmitting itself through the economy and, and global stock markets and throughout the world. And this second dimension has, as does the first dimension, secondary processes, such as that credit markets started to freeze last week, and what we are likely to see in the coming days and coming weeks are significant waves of layoffs, where many people will be impacted in a meaningful way, in a harsh way, and often those secondary effects, they create a tertiary, tertiary is a word that describes a third order, and then a fourth order consequences and side effects. So that's the second process underway. The third process that's underway, which we've got to become very clear in our heads, is a process unto itself and is separate to the first and the second, first being the coronavirus, second being the stock market implosion, is the panic that's caused by both. So there is, is virus-related panic and there is the market loss-related panic. And then there is the collective aggregate of media noise about the, the entirety of it all and how that produces the collective hysteria-based panic throughout the world. So these are the three processes we are looking at. The number one is the coronavirus, number two is the market implosion, and the number three is the panic, which is a process by itself. And the value in analytically differentiating these is that they each create distinct set of challenges, and they require each of these a different set of strategic and tactical responses. Now, if you, if you want to be complete and tidy, you'd say there is really a fourth process underway, which is an extension of the third in a way, which includes all the consequences and the collateral impact of the first three. For example, some people, like if you are based in the US, if, you, if the US is your home, and you got stuck now in Europe because of the travel ban, from Europe, you have a huge problem. I remember about 10 years ago when the volcano in, in Iceland started to um, spew its ash and they shut down very quickly aviation. And aviation was frozen for a few days and I got stuck in Europe for a week. Until the Lufthansa test pilots took to the air and made it safe and and proven that you could reopen the sky. But it was extremely stressful for a few days because, now this is the, there is an, an important awareness here in, in this little experience. This is where experience is valuable because for the first few days, the authorities, they were describing that it could take a month or few months 
until they will reopen the sky. And I needed to start to examine, is there a way for me to get back to the, UA, to the US uh, on the sea rather, there, rather than in the air? And what will be involved in that? So the being stuck in Frankfurt and then eventually being able to fly a week later, one of my insights from that experience was that it taught me that the authorities and the media will often overshoot on the alarmist projection. The authorities and the media will often overshoot on the pessimistic, the alarmist projection. Because of a variety of reasons in the media, it sells, because the, the job of the media, the job of the television is to keep you glued to the television and Anxiety and fear is one of the ways to do that. I'm, I'm not blaming them. They have a business model and, and a modus operandi. But also, if you think carefully about the psychology of people in leadership and the authority, no one is ever blamed for being too cautious. But they will be blamed if they have not taken the necessary cautionary and precautions, precautions uh, steps to protect people, to protect whoever they could and should protect. So the psychology of leaders is to err on the alarmist end. And the only reason for me to suggest that we reflect on this is not to say that this is always a bad strategy. Actually, there, there can be legitimate reasons as to why you'd use that to educate the public about the worst case scenario. When you, especially when you need to mobilize a large population. But we should simply be highly aware that that is often the case. So you need to, and in a minute, we'll... I, I feel this case all the time. On the, on the other hand, sometimes I feel that the government is trying to, to not to over scare the people uh, and and then they just do very drastic moves without without giving any notice before maybe israel is example for a country that people are very um hysteric <laughs> like for example this weekend uh, people there were like huge lines on the supermarket, like five hour lines just to buy food. And, and the health government say, don't go to supermarkets, there will be food. I promise we will not close them, but still people are there, like hours of lines on the supermarket. Right. And which by the way, could be a great place for the virus to transmit from one person to another. Yeah. That's what I'm saying right now, as we speak. Yeah. And so people touching each other on the supermarket. That's right. And so this is part of the second and the third, really the panic response and, and what it creates. So in each situation, there, there are different scenarios that, that are playing out. If you're an NBA player in, in the US, you're not dealing with the season that your season was just suspended. But there could be worse scenarios to be impacted. Um, it's just, you know, if you are an NBA player, it's a very big deal. If you are a touring performer or singer, you needed to cancel your tour. So 
everything in terms of culture and Broadway and people that are in the theater and people that their business is in the arena of the congregation or, or the gatherings of groups of people, they will be impacted in a major way. And as well, you could point to many other people impacted, certainly if you're in a business that, that you depend on supply chain from China, you possibly have been in, interrupted and disrupted already a few weeks ago. So this is very situational. The, the first awareness and why I went through this is simply to make us aware that the first trap is in trying to address the totality of everything as one bulk response. And I suggest that the effective and the triage response is to work issue by issue and be able to separate scenarios, separate issues and prioritize and then apply focus and discipline to work through the, the kind of issues. And, and so here is where I'd like to propose a threefold strategy that I believe is relevant in each and every situation. And very simply, I'm simply going to propose that the first priority is your health and well-being. That's number one. Because unless you are well and unless you took care of yourself, you really are not in a position to take care of anybody else. But I, I would include in this category one the idea that whatever you can do to take care of the health and well-being of your family, your team, people that are looking up to you, people that you depend on, all of that is part of category one, priority one. In this priority one, obviously you have preventative measures, preventative strategy, which is about what must you do to protect yourself and others, to protect yourself from the virus, to protect yourself from the economic and the, the market impact, to protect yourself from the panic as well, because what we're actually saying is that the panic is a virus unto itself, separate to the coronavirus. And so in those situations, all still part of priority one is if you found yourself in a circumstance where preventative measures did not work sufficiently, you're now dealing with, okay, so what are the contingencies that I now need to deal with to remedy the side effects created either by being impacted directly by the virus, by disruption on business operation, and by the impact of panic on people's well-being and psychology. Because what I'm proposing is, is that third process we, we name, the panic, can be as detrimental as, as any other. Your priority too is when you run a business, when you run an operation, when you run a team, and you need to think in terms of business continuity. So this is about what must you do to deliver on your mission-critical commitments? What must you do to deliver on your mission-critical commitments? How will you deliver on these commitments without compromising your priority number one, 
which is your health and well-being. And the health and well-being of your teams, people that you depend on, and so on. So that's the order of thought and they're situationally based on geography, the kind of operation, there is a whole range of geographical, logistical, operational, and policy factors to consider when you devise your strategies to address this priority too. The point I'm reaching for is that most people stop with point one, with priority one and priority two, and forget to remember that there can actually be also priority three. And priority three has the obvious dimension and has the the less obvious dimension. I'll talk more about the the obvious dimension in the case when when you're a CEO, a leader of an operation, managing a large team of people or whatever the circumstance you find yourself in. Because priority three is where you pivot from defense to offense. And I can tell you that I've been over the last week in conversations with several senior executives that I've been working with over the, over the last year and, and so on, where we worked on deve- developing their Horizon 3 vision and strategy for their team and their business and their organization. And where we actually inquired into what I in this context propose is priority number three which is inquiring how can this situation be an opportunity? How can this situation be an opportunity to accelerate your desired future? The premise being that every crisis, every crisis will always create range of opportunities, strategic opportunities, development opportunities, acceleration opportunities. So, It's not easy in every circumstance to think about this, but some situations will even be able to develop new solutions, new ways to accelerate adoption of their services. And there are always opportunities and we have to lean into that mental model and into that attitude of what are the opportunities in this crisis? Just pivoting into this mental space is a way of already shifting from being a victim to victim of the situation to managing the situation and and potentially harnessing the situation for your advantage. So that, that is how I have shaped a number of conversations this week. I asked senior leaders, how can you use this situation to accelerate the desired future you have in mind for your team, for your organization? Yes, and as well, I think in my personal life, for example, there, there is a, a possible, very possible uh, situation that I will have to be at home for one month and maybe work from home, maybe just wait if the business will shut almost down. So I see it as a great opportunity to develop my hobbies and things that I wanted to do, like playing more guitar, doing more writing, taking some online courses, 
And I think it's a great opportunity for everyone these days to spend, spend time with their uh, spouses and, and to learn things. Yeah. Well, so thank you for that, because you actually now opened the, the floodgate and, and pointed to what I'd propose is, is the extension of that third lens, which I'd actually frame it as, as a fourth lens, because the third lens is, is really more in terms of a company or an operation where you say, okay, how can we leverage this crisis to advance our situation, what you are offering is more the developmental or the, the metaphysical dimension, which is if um, consider that if most of what goes on every day throughout around the globe, most of humanity, people get up in the morning and go about their days, mostly through various routines of what they need to do, and mostly people are in the, I should do this, I should do that, I drive to work, I should be in the office. And there is, there is with majority of people a sense that they're captured by something that's enforced upon them, that if they could do something else, if money and requirements of living were not as demanding, they would possibly be choosing to do something different. And so... There is that sense of being captured by one's daily routines and habits. And then there is simply the power of habits and routines and how those are limiting and capturing to people's range of consideration. So what we have now is that the entire planet is coming to a halt in terms of the, the habitual modus operandi. And now you have a choice. Will you be sucked in more into the anxiety and the panic and the continuous news feed? Or potentially, will you take it to create a space for some kind of a personal and a collective reset? And I think that's uh, the, the bigger opportunity that you're pointing to. And I join you and say, yes, you have an opportunity to reflect on what matters be a little bit meditative, a little bit contemplative about the matters of meaning, the, the matters of purpose, and, and yeah, what is most special and most dear for you as a human being, what you care about mostly. And also in the process, celebrate the small things. Celebrate that you are healthy. Celebrate the vitality and the capacity you have to think clearly, separate, celebrate the choice you can apply to what you choose to focus on, celebrate the people that you have in your life that, that you love and that love you and friendship and, and community and all those good things. So, because why? Those things actually do impact your, your immunity your psychological, your mental, but also your, your biological immunity. So I'd encourage that that fourth dimension is also embraced. So let me pause here, because what I wanted was to initially frame an awareness about the three processes that are underway, then propose the three lens that you can apply as a leader 
with the fourth one that you suggested we, we point to. Uh, and let me pause here be, before we say anything else, if, if there is anything you'd want to offer and, and contribute to build on this. My situation is a bit different than Amitai because like all the places I'm walking are now stopped and I don't, I can stay at home and I feel like it's not, I have responsibility to do stuff. But yes, now I'm, I have a question because I think that I have opportunity to, I don't know, to give more uh, private yoga classes or things like that. But I had in my mind that this situation, everyone is like, panic and they want to save money and I don't want to uh, like abuse this situation like to have more job for me and it's not more because all my other jobs delete like I don't have I can't work now but I don't feel it's a good thing to offer now private classes because people are afraid of people it's feel like not not the right thing to do and I'm like yeah, so, so you can't offer private classes, but you may be able to offer a class on Zoom like this. I can, I feel like maybe I, if I want to give something in this situation, it can be like yoga class or meditation class or something that I want to give to the people to be more calm and relaxed. And it's like, one thing I want to give something, and the other thing I want to earn money and continue my life. Yeah. But maybe it's not together because I feel it's not the situation now to start new. Well, what I will offer there is that the two are not mutually exclusive. It's it is a smart strategy to offer some service that is helpful and valuable to people, without looking to associate it immediately with with money if people are in difficulties but it's yeah. not as though that cannot le then lead to additional offerings that you'll have that people are prepared to pay for there are plenty of people who can pay for your service so you should you should not look at this as an either or you should look at this as an opportunity to actually offer value truly from a place of genuineness of wanting to help people and then those people that find value, they can access more of your services, classes and such, and they will be very happy to pay for it because of the benefit that they will experience uh, through the, the work they do with you. Yes. What, what about you, Amitai? Uh, I agree with the fact about seeing the opportunity, and I think this is my natural... Uh, my natural reaction to crisis to see the opportunity I, all the time i find myself think about how i can do online the service i give to people or uh, what will be the best time to change my investment or to invest more money in something that's now very low and how will i use my free time to develop myself this is my natural uh, and i'm glad that it's like this I can see the positive. I think what I'm struggling the most is the, the fact that the future is unknown and I feel not in control of the situation. So I find my, myself all the time looking on the news and changing from one news, uh, one, web, one website to another website to see if it has new news <laughs> and then refresh the first one and then check on Facebook and check on other countries 
because I feel uh, urge and need to to understand what will happen. And this is the biggest challenge for me because it, right. it affects it stressed me and it affects my mood and I'm not very clear and calm. So I need some self-discipline to to not do all okay. these things. Great. So thank you for that, because that leads us to th- those other questions we framed at the outset, which is how uh, do you survive the crisis physically, mentally and spiritually? And what is the power, the corrosive or the, dang- the, the, the dangerous power of collective energy or the positive power uh, of collective energy in terms of how you choose to harness it? So let me address this. But to capture what you just said there, The fact that you have an aptitude to actually look for opportunity through crisis right there, you already have something unique that you can offer others because that is not the case with everybody else around you. So I would encourage that that thought, if you can harness it in a constructive way and engage others that you work with in that kind of inquiry, then you already are offering leadership and you already are uh, helping other people shift from being victims and from the sense of being powerless to bringing some level of, of uh, constructive and positive focus. Now, let's add to it a few other strategies which build on what you said because what you were describing because... The obsessive preoccupation with shifting from one news channel to the next is, is obviously, that's actually the, the viral nature of the media. And you're actually dealing there with a different kind of virus. It, it has, it, it is, call it what you, what you will choose to call it, an, an emotional virus, a psychological virus, an energetic virus. I, I don't care what you call it, but it has the behavior, which is why we call that behavior in the media something went viral. We are especially prone to viral reaction through the amygdala stress response of fear and and panic it's it's the fight flight like watching horror movies yeah <laughs> just the horror movies is the reality show of the world happening all around you so this is where you must bring let me offer three or four key strategies and they are pretty obvious you know all of them but it's the power of discipline that can make the difference First, you must focus on what you can control. And what you can control is firstly, indeed, your mental focus, what you choose to take in. And you can control your response and what you choose to power in yourself and around you. These are the first things you can control. And you can control where you choose to allocate time and mental focus. So... I'd begin every day with reminding myself that fact. And if I find myself that I am glued to any of the screen or any of the news channel, uh, by discipline, I'd never be there more than 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. I'd get up and, and walk around just so you can 
revitalize your own thought process rather than actually being governed by the whoever else are talking heads on, on whatever screen you, you're, you're staring at. The second thing is I'd be reflecting and attending to the power and to the function of routines and rituals. For example, I'd encourage you very much to attend to your morning routines and, and whatever you do in the morning to condition yourself for the day, physically, mentally, and so on. If you like to exercise, if you like to meditate, do what brings you a sense of sovereignty, a sense of well-being, a sense of joy, a sense of energy, a sense of vitality. You've got to... The, the first hour of every day is where you set the tone for the rest of the day. Don't let the media, the email, the news feed steal away from you that sense of you setting in motion the entirety of your day. You retain that sense of sovereignty, of... of uh, of self-authorship and then plan for that day the vital few priorities that you will focus on. There may be a lot that will be thrown at you that day that is outside of your control but to the degree that you can focus on the, the two or three or four main things you can accelerate, you can shape, you can influence, you can control ultimately. By then executing on these, what happens is you actually create results outside of you, but also you create results inside of you because those by you following what you intended, intended to do, you will catalyze a better sense of self-command, self-control, and it will change your psychological and energetic state. So I'd very much uh, encourage you to, to do that and, and to discover how that revitalizes in you the sense of self-authorship, self-control, self-command, and exchange those stories as much as you exchange the latest uh, news with people you, you communicate with. Number three, I'll encourage you to focus on three pivots. Focus on those almost as a meditative practice throughout the day. The pivot from chaos to calm and confidence and coherence of thought. Yes, the pivot from chaos to calm and confidence and the coherence of thought. The pivot from the sense of being powerless to the sense of power found in purpose. Yeah, the, the pivot from, oh, I'm a victim, I'm feeling powerless in the face of a situation, in the face of the unknown. There is always tremendous amount of unknown in this VUCA environment, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. But to the degree that you can be grounded in the power of the purpose that leads and guides you, which is taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, taking care of the people you lead, taking care of your business, taking care of your community, being the one to bring to the table a sense of calm, a sense of clarity of thought right there. When you become servant leader to that situation, you gain a sense of power through that. And through that, the third uh, pivot, which is the pivot from fear, 
to fortitude and freedom. Because there is freedom, as you said, inside the new situation. Many people don't need to drive to work. So I spoke with a number of people last week. They said, I have two more hours every day because I don't need to drive to work and back from work. Well, great. So how will you use these two hours to become more creative, more thoughtful, more present to the parts of your life that you don't always attend to? And the fourth, the fourth thing that I'll offer is do what you can do to power and boost your immune power. Biological immune power, psychological immune power, emotional and spiritual immunity. And, and they include the range of what we already talked about and, and other things. Make sure you get sufficient amount of sleep. Make sure you, you are hydrating in the right way. Make sure you have the right diet to the degree that you can. You, you can. Smile and, and laugh often that, that these are the, the best immunity boosters. And most important, be surrounded and stay connected with friends that encourage all those good things in you. Right there, you are separating yourself from the, the herd panic mentality that is engulfing the world at the moment, certainly from what you're describing, Israel, but people all around the world, certainly Europe, possibly China and, and South Korea are beyond the, the peak. Uh, but it's in the US, this last week has been the, the point of recognition week. So you, you see more of it. And certainly Seattle is, is one of the epicenters of it. So I'd, I'd encourage all these, uh, all these strategies and behaviors and one of the first things I'd encourage that you do is you get with other people and you teach to them and you share with them the very thing we just talked about because by you sharing and communicating with others, you make those ideas your own because you will add to it your ideas. And as you do, you will already be creating waves around you of people who are saying, you know what, we are actually leading into this situation rather than being led by panic, and by anxiety. So how about that as a starter brief? That sounds good, and yeah, it's it all things that I know, like you said. Uh, the hard part is to really have the self-discipline in this time that I feel that I need to see and I need to know. And also, I think it's like in personal development, it's mostly about what you don't do. <laughs> than what you do. So <laughs> I went, we went this weekend to visit my family in the north and I, uh, I uh, offered the challenge for the family uh, while we sit in a Shabbat dinner not to talk about Corona and not to talk about politics. So it was a difficult. <laughs> Some people almost uh, said, but uh, we, we succeeded for about almost two hours. So <laughs> Extraordinary. Two hours, you're able to, to hold a conversation for two hours without talking about the coronavirus and without talking about politics. And, and talking about other things. And so the point you are making is so important because you're, you're exactly right. 
so much in life is when you choose to do something, it really is about choosing not to do the 10 other things that you could be doing that would likely be taking away from your focus, from your well-being, from your clarity of thought, and from your sense of being intact and in command with your life. And that's the first place where we begin leadership. It's always leadership is always on the inside and how we encourage that very same process, leading from the inside out in others. So I know you need to uh, attend to uh, another uh, business call in a minute, but I thought uh, that would be a good uh, place uh, for today to address uh, this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, for me good and encouraging, even though, you know, it, it's things that I know, but it's very important to sometimes uh, take, uh, take this uh, step out or up above <laughs> where you are and to watch yourself. Because I'm about to make a few very uh, important uh, phone calls now and I think I will try to take this stage that I'm in now when I do it. Yeah, the the point is nobody knows what's going to happen. The authorities have no clarity as well so that's why we said they err on the alarmist side and what actually is needed is some people that are able to think clearly and bring a sense of calm to the chaos and offer steadiness, reliability, and, and common sense. I mean, common sense. Thank you for listening. Aviv always encourages his clients to identify the one or two ideas they can move forward into action immediately. What will you capture and apply today? You can always begin with a small action and then build momentum over time. When you move forward from an idea to action, you get immediate ROI, return on the time you invested, and return of learning. And then the learning cycle builds the success propulsion. One more thing. You can reach Aviv directly by phone and email to discover how he can help you create a new future for your business and organization. Creating your new future can begin today.